And we are your hosts for today's broadcast, following top news stories of the day. Good, great, grand, wonderful. I have a bad feeling about this. What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? It's the good, the bad, and the what? Lost your train of thought, didn't I? <laughs> Hello there, you are listening to The Good, The Bad, and The What, the show in which we dissect the <laughs> movie good, bad, or other within a certain theme, category, subgenre, or filmography. I'm your co-host, Ryan Oliver. And I'm your other co-host, Chris Thomas. <laughs> Chris, how are you doing this afternoon? Uh, I'm doing great. I appreciate the nod to, to AM radio that you're doing. I, I I was I was hesitant. I'm like, should I tell him that I'm going to do that? I was like, nah, <laughs> screw it. I'm just going to go forward and do it anyway. Um, it's funny. I was going to suggest that you opened it as an AM radio host, but then I was like, nah, do your own thing. And then you did your own thing, which is what I was going to suggest. Perfect. We're, we're simpatico, which we're, is good. We're there. Wavelength. Let's let's do it. So let's just jump right in. You tease at the end of the last episode. These are I'm going to actually give you the floor to explain it a bit more because it's quite a niche sort of uh, uh, subgenre of horror that you've picked. So I, I will give you the floor to kind of explain um, what ties these together, introduce the picks and we'll get right into it. For sure, yeah. Like I said uh, at the end of the last episode, we're, we're doing um, live horror or live broadcast horror, which is a subset or, or subgenre of found footage, which, of course, um, had a huge explosion in the 90s um, and early 2000s uh, following the success of uh, the Blair Witch Project. Um, but specifically, found footage movies are usually horror movies because there is you know, a concession that something has happened to the filmmakers in order to cause the footage to have to have been found and then released later. So the, in specifically live broadcast ones, the, the concession is that it's gone out and it's been seen and it's been heard. And so uh, there's something extra that, you know, if you're going to be dabbling in, in this type of movie that you're going to have to contend with, of course. Uh, it, it's a difficult thing to do well or do correctly. Um but I think these three examples, and I'm including the the bad pick today, um, I think they do well with this subgenre. But I specifically wanted to get into why uh, these are differentiated from a typical found footage uh, movie. Uh, and then talking about the, the elements that you need to do in order to be successful there to sort of explain why I place these as good, bad, and what, respectively. So... Um, to, to kick it off, I'll, I'll just go through our picks here real quick. The good, I've chosen Pontypool from 2008, directed by Bruce McDonald. For the bad, I've chosen Spree from 2020, directed by Eugene uh, Kotliarenko. I'm sorry if I've mispronounced that. Um, and then the what is the WNUF Halloween special from 2013, directed by Chris LaMartina and a, a smattering of others. I want to give them their time in the sun, so... Uh, James Branscombe, Sean Jones, Scott McUvin, Lonnie Martin, Matthew Mentor, and Andy Scobe. Um, of course, because the movie is almost sort of a um, 
it's it's little vignettes and commercials and throughout and so then they had different filmmakers direct the the different portions and we'll get into the structure of the movie when we actually get to it um but uh if you want to just launch into it to talking about the good this was a first time watch for you so i want to get your uh, initial thoughts and, and reactions and uh, what do you think of pontypool and I'm glad I finally got to watch it because I've heard for for many years, you know, since it pretty much since it came out in 2008, I know people have really sort of latched on to this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that it's it's very good until it isn't um, <laughs> is how I would put it. But that's still still I still think the movie is is commendable. Like I still definitely thought uh, enjoyed the movie. Mainly because I do think, um, you know, these these are all horror movies, as you said, and they all fit this specific pocket that you're talking about. But all of them are sort of a different subgenre in and of themselves as well. Like the different types of horror movie that this uh, this gimmick or device is sort of like latching onto. And Pontypool, for all intents and purposes, is a zombie movie, mm-hmm. um, ultimately. And... You know the zombie movie is such a ubiquitous genre. Like it's there's so it's been done to death, and it's so difficult to find a unique avenue in which to you know deliver a zombie movie. And I think that's what I liked most about this movie is its sort of approach. I think in in combining what you're talking about, in which the the movie for well, I'd say the entirety. It definitely sort of and we'll we'll get into to the the finale or whatever because it definitely ramps up, but most of this movie is a chamber piece so it largely takes place within the confines of a single um you know single uh, am recording studio um for for the entirety of the movie and so having this sort of the the way the movie approaches the terror and the fact that we don't see the terror for 66 percent of the movie and we're only like hearing about it. And we're only hearing reports of what's happening while we we are stuck with the point of view of of our um, you know our DJ and radio producer who are stuck in this spot is genuinely unnerving. Like the the tension mm-hmm. I thought like throughout the first part of this movie was really really strong. And like I said, we'll get into it more. Um, you know, we'll, we, you know, because it is a bit of an older movie, it's a smaller movie. So at least when we get to it, we'll give another spoiler warning. Cause I think it's still worth watching, but I do think it, it fumbles the, the, the ending a bit for, for me personally, but I still think for two thirds of it, I think the movie is really, really solid. And I would say it, 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 you're spot on in terms of my opinion as well. I think it, it sort of falls apart under its own weight. Uh, once it gets towards the, the latter portion of the movie, um, I, it just I'll, I'll really quickly, in case you haven't seen it, the, the basic premise of Pontypool is that Grant Mazzy, played by Stephen McCaddy, uh, is a small town Ontario morning DJ. Uh, he delivers news of strange happenings that are in the small town of Pontypool um, that amount to a full, full-scale el- outbreak with a mysterious affliction. So it, it the filmmakers were expired, or I guess I should also note that this is based off a book, but the, the screenplay is written by the same person who wrote the novel. Um, it, apparently, the, I haven't read it, but um, it, it differs uh, quite a bit in the way that it's presented, but Tony Burgess is the, the writer. Um, and they, or I guess he was inspired by uh, the infamous War of the Worlds broadcast uh, from Orson Welles from, I think, 1930. 1939 i think i wrote it down somewhere um but uh, of course that's pretty infamous and in that people 
were very stressed out and they didn't know like people who tuned in late didn't know that it was like a presentation of war of the worlds and uh, people were thinking that some crazy phenomenon was going on that they were being invaded by aliens and um people were very upset later to find out that it you know wasn't what uh that wasn't in fact the case um so that's basically the the setup that we're getting here like you said is that we're being spoon-fed information as they're getting it to report it over the airwaves and so the it reminded me and it was very uh, serendipitous that recently on the joe bob briggs uh episode this this previous friday the first movie that they watched was night of the living dead which is a movie i've seen numerous times i love that movie but of course in that movie when they're trapped in the farmhouse they're getting fed information from the news who's saying you know uh reports that there was high levels of radiation um the the dead are walking uh seems like you got to shoot them in the head that's the only way to put them down and the audience is being drip fed, fed this information and it was funny when coming into knowing we we're going to be recording this episode recently re-watching pontypool in preparation for it and thinking about how this movie is sort of if we were not in the farmhouse with our heroes and if we were instead at the news desk of the people on the radio reporting to those heroes in the farmhouse, what is that like? Like what what is it like to be given this information that is so bizarre and so fantastical that you can't you can't on face value be like this is a fact that a report is the news, but it, it is. And it's so bizarre and so terrifying to think about um this happening just outside of the confines of your recording booth and that is what this movie does so well is that paranoia and that that just increasing stakes that you yourself can't lay your eyes on you just have to take their word for it that i i fucking love it i love the mood and the tone and the setting yes i i think i agree with with all of that that statement and and i think that it's um it's it's really interesting the way that it sort of plays with that that idea of like what is it like to be in that that news desk because um because the, those layers go further of like okay that that our our main our DJ um uh Grant Nazi um mm-hmm. is like uh you know he has to give this information um but like he's sort of skeptical of what's being received he's sort of a um. I don't know, would you call him like almost like a washed up sort of Howard Stern esque like yeah. shock jock? Like he's, he's a got shock the sh- jock, yeah. He's, yeah, he's yeah. definitely got a bend of, of like Rush Limbaugh to him. I, he, I don't think he gets to that extreme, but there's definitely points where early on in, in the show where he's given like a, a news story and then he tries to sensationalize it or tries to make it bigger deal than he is. And, and he even has a, a point where he's talking to his producer where he's like, I'm trying to piss somebody off. And then if they get pissed off, they tell their friend who might get pissed off and they'll tell their friend who might get pissed off. And then you get a group of loyal followers, which is like pretty ethically reprehensible if you're talking yes. about the world of journalism. So like he's not like a, a great guy. No. Um, but then when shit starts to go off the rails, it, 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 it sort of flips back on itself where now you have to report things that are so fantastical and outside of the realm of possibility but they are a fact that he starts to break down internally 
it it the layers peel back and and it's it's immensely satisfying in that way because even even as he's skeptical about it he's like well there's this part of me that i don't know and so it sort Mm -hmm. of has to jerk back those ethics have to really come back into play or like you know when they get a call from the this this news station's parent company is the bbc and so they get a call Mm -hmm. from the bbc to to be in and he's like well we like he he's he's talking on the radio before all this is going down, and like you said, he's sensationalizing. He's very brash. He's very like unethical. But the second that that happens, and he's on the air that has a much wider audience than anybody who's listening in Nova Scotia, is like he's just like, well, we we don't know. This is the information we've been given. We're reporting as we get it, and it's just right. like it's like a like a like a dog that has just been told no. Like yeah, he got he got the leash yanked. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like that that's sort of fascinating the the way that comes in to play. And and the fact that um I I love the sound design in this movie too, and that sort of goes hand in hand with the like peeling back the layers because there's a, a specific moment where you hear something from their their like helicopter their eye in the sky uh newscaster yeah. and it, like he he t- you know it's reports on basically somebody's voice within a voice and it's one of the most terrifying sounding things that I've, I've ever heard and it kind of cuts back and you know nobody else can hear because nobody else has his headphones on he's in this isolated sound booth that's completely soundproof um, and so he's the only one hearing that, and it just like makes him lose his his damn mind and perception of like the situation and completely lose it. And it's oh, he snaps, it, and yeah. it's great. And that the shot is even like it's unsettling. Where, uh, it, and I also I want to give a, a shout out to Rick Roberts who plays Ken Loney, uh, who is the the, the eye in the sky. Who basically we find out earlier in the show that he's not actually in a helicopter. It's far too small of a town for them to have a a helicopter who's checking in on their traffic. Uh, He just parks his car on top of a hill and then watches intersections and gives like his reports of traffic. So we, we figure that out pretty early on when he witnesses basically like the, this, there's like a riot that's happening at this hospital. The wall collapses at this hospital. People are pouring over each other and uh, the military rolls in and he doesn't know where they came from. And, he does such a fantastic job of just using his voice to convey how fucking terrified he is that like it I, I, you can't watch this movie and not be stressed out because his performance of being a person who is on the run from something that is so like like Lovecraftian in in its setup of it being just mind breaking to witness this, especially in a small town where everybody knows each other. So like there there's a point later on where he's referring to the monsters who are in the crowd, but he knows them and like oh that's the son of this woman and he doesn't have any hands and and just like and and the the it's so terrifying to think about like seeing friends and acquaintances in like this animalistic stage and ripping each other apart and and doing these awful things. And he appears so genuinely scared that it gets you into that same mood. But the what you're talking about where he's reporting that little section where he's able to get his cell phone close enough to like this person's mouth as they're dying and there's like a voice within a voice. The camera is pushed in on Stephen McHattie's face to where it's taking up basically the whole screen. And he is like holding his breath in his chest and just listening. And like I like I... I don't have a mirror or whatever but i must have been mirroring his face of like i don't want to make a sound 
because I'm very intently want to hear what's going on at the other end of that phone. And then, like, yeah, after he hears it, you're right. Like, he even asks at that point, like, Ken, is this actually happening? Because he's, yeah. like, he's, like, I cannot comprehend this any further. The shit's falling apart on me. And he goes a little bit nutty, like, there for a second. Yeah. No, it's it's a it's a really... The, the slow realization of like what is happening in the movie is is i think it's it's strength like it's its biggest strength for sure oh yeah is is like when the movie is sort of concealing information and slowly doling out the information and you know again as they're receiving it in real time is where the movie is its strongest and i think Mm -hmm. it's it's also its strongest because we don't see what's happening and and it's like i think like your mind can make up more twisted scenarios in your head than like what you're actually seeing on screen, which is like, you know, what, you know, Hitchcock did like, you Mm -hmm. know, psycho is like, like psycho, for example, it's a good one of those movies famously. That's like people in their head remember it for being way more violent than it actually is, but it's because he cuts away at certain situations and only shows you what he wants you to see at any given time. So like in your head, you just made up the scenario of what happens to, uh, to gently, right. you know, in the shower or anything like that. And so it's just like that stuff is, it's just, it's strong, strong filmmaking um, for, for, like I said, at least a good 50 to 60% of this movie. Right. Well, and it's, it's seeing as believing, right? So, I mean, like yep. when we're talking about an audio medium and we're being fed information, you basically have to take people at their word. But then when it's something like this, like it, it, there's enough doubt there. The fact that like, I haven't seen this actually happen myself. So is somebody pranking me or they, they, they're misunderstanding, they're misreading the situation and they're reporting it badly. Like that can't possibly be what's going on. And it reminded me, it's, it's been something that I've been getting into more recently uh, than I was when I was younger, but like AM radio and and specifically like coast to coast AM uh, with uh, Art Bell Um listening back and i even did it after watching pontypool this most recent time uh i'd imbibed a little bit so i was in the the right headspace and just going back and like listening to old am like coast to coast am episodes of people calling in and reporting alien sightings or or things that that are you know it's probably just some nutter on the other end of that phone but if you can get yourself into a headspace like you get into in pontypool where you are, you're open enough to the premise that you'll allow enough of it to eke through and take enough of it at their word to where if they were right about even 1% of the facts that are going on, that is mind-boggling terrifying. That is a, a scary, scary thing to even consider for a moment. And so the I love this sort of space that it's playing in and, and specifically uh, uh, Rick Roberts' uh, portrayal um, if you have listened to Tool, and if you've listened to the album Lateralis, there's a song, uh, I'm going to butcher this, but it's uh, like Fai Up Diode, uh, and it's basically just radio transmission sounds and Danny Carey going nuts on the drums, and there's a guy who is is panicked as shit, claiming that he is an Area 51 former employee, and he's witnessed some things, and the, the U.S. government is actually working with an alien entity, that has infiltrated uh, our government and they're spread out over the United States and they're planning a full-scale invasion any day now. And that recording is from an Art Bell call that happened in like 1997. Um, and if you listen to it, Art Bell is very much like, yeah, sure, buddy. And then what happened? Next? <laughs> and this guy is much like Rick Roberts' portrayal. He is like pants shitting scared 
of like they're like they're coming it's gonna happen and he said and it's that same level of like yeah this guy's a fucking nutter he's a bullshitter this is all just like for a prank but what if what if like just just yeah consider for a second what if this is true and Pontypool, even though it's not set up in the same way of it being a radio, like a full-on radio broadcast, we know that we're watching a movie and that it's, it, we see the sets and we see the scenes and we, we know what's going on here. They're able to achieve basically that same level of paranoia uh, that you're able to get it by listening to old calls like that. And uh, it's, I cannot recommend it to anyone enough. Like, it, it's, it's so good in what it's able to accomplish. But you're right. We can get into spoilers now, probably. I think so, because... It goes off a cliff. It does, and I think that's the thing for me, is, like, I... It's so good, and for for one, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that Tool song, because it's been a long time since I've listened <laughs> to the latter Alice album. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me, but um, the thing is, and it's hard, right? Because it's like you are a small-budget genre movie, and so it's like you do feel this sort of urge that you have to deliver, quote-unquote, the goods, Mm-hmm. You know, that's things that are like gory, goopy or crazy intense or whatever. But I right. just the movie's so good at that. What you would just describe that. I wished it was like that the whole movie, that there yes. was a certain paranoia and that you never see even what's happening. Um, but then you'd have a certain sort of like genre focused audience that would probably be frustrated. And it'd be one of those movies where I don't know if the cinema score applied. It's such a small movie, but it'd be one of those like F cinema score movies like Darren Aronofsky's mother or something oh, where it's yeah. like, was not the movie I expected it to be. So fuck this yeah, like right, sort of yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, it is unfortunate that the, on two levels, um, you know, number one, that the movie has to show a, a sort of zombie invasion. So we, mm. we eventually see them sort of breaking down the doors into this, this radio station and coming through. So it's like, okay, now it's, now it's a sort of traditional, uh, we know the threat is real. So the, the tension has been let out of the balloon. Um, but then I, it works. It works to a certain extent from the standpoint of what we learned that our character is about. But as you pointed out at the beginning, when he's sensationalizing news and trying to get people riled up, but in a very uh, M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening scenario, we find out it's the words that's causing people mm-hmm. to go crazy, uh, much like the plants in that movie. And so it's sort of like, it's, I'll say they use some unique cinematic techniques, like the way that people are like trying to decide which words are the ones making them go crazy and that they're, they're sort of trying to be... Um, very careful of what they're saying or they're getting a silent period. It, it almost becomes like a precursor to the quiet place movies because they mm-hmm. start just writing on a pen and paper. So, um, so there's like that element to it, but, and then there's this like weird sound layering they start doing that it almost sounds like a Robert Altman movie, the way he like oh, layers yeah. a dialogue in it. And so it's like, I found that at least uniquely disorienting in, and, and sort of kept me engaged as the movie became, a more sort of traditional zombie movie in the last yeah. like leg of the movie. And it's, it's not bad from a, like, like the movie's still well made throughout the rest of it, but it's just one of those things where it's like, I felt you really had something and you still do, but it's just like, it, it just gets so sort of um, just traditional. It like where it sidestepped a lot of like tropes. I felt. Yeah. I, I, I agree with, I think it's really when, um, 
there there's this character dr mendez who shows up yes at, at, at about you know the two-thirds mark and as soon as he shows up and there's some attempt to explain what's going on it it's diminishing returns until the end of the movie and i, I think it's specifically because they're trying to explain to the audience okay here was what's going on but the movie's so strong because you don't know what's going on you're just reporting it and 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 I, I would have much rather not had his character in the movie. I think if his character hadn't come in the movie at all, and it would have just been our characters locked in their bunker trying to, you know, you know parse out what's going on. Uh, I mean, you can have the zombies show up and surround the building and start, like, trying to bash their way in and stuff like that. But having a character who's, like, expositionally being like, okay, well, it's words. And so then certain words will stick in your brain, and if you're able to comprehend it, then your brain will get stuck on it and keep, like, looping on a, a thing. They could have easily, just by keeping it within the realm of it being a radio show, talking to one another, worked this out, especially because there is a character, um, uh, uh, is it Nancy? Or I think it's, it might be Nancy. Um, I just watched this. I should know who the characters are. Um, but, uh, no, it's Laurel Ann, uh, Georgina Riley, uh, Laurel Ann, uh, she gets infected at one point in the movie and it's basically right after she gets infected, like as, as it, it's revealed that she's infected and she's looping words and is like losing her, her, her cognizant ability is right when the doctor shows up. And so then he can be like, oh yeah, well, so you see her symptoms that she's doing. Uh, it means this, this, and this. And I think if we would have just seen her acting strangely and doing weird stuff, it continues the mystery of being like, what the fuck is going on? How are, how are our characters going to react to it? And it like increases the danger of like, is she infected? What does that mean? Is she, when does she become violent? Is there something we can do to help her? And so like, it was literally the introduction of that character that I feel for me torpedoed the, the entire latter third of the movie. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I, I, I should, I, I won't backpedal entirely, but I'll, I'll tie to what you're saying of like, it's, how it's presented not mm -hmm. necessarily that because that character is introduced solely to dull out the exposition and it's it's not it's not necessarily dumb just because it's the words because right. i think it fits thematically with what we saw towards the beginning of the movie and yes it's frustrating it becomes a bit more conventional but like that isn't like a sense to torpedo the movie right. but it's because you have a character telling you exactly what's going on where the movie's biggest strength as you said was not knowing what's going on because there's there's a way you could have written it to where the characters organically figured out that that was going on and i think that would have been much more satisfying than having a, a strict like mouthpiece character like you know i mentioned it being like a precursor to a quiet place like mm -hmm. you know it's like i don't i like that movie i don't love it but like you know, but there is a sort of organic build to the climax of that movie. I guess spoilers yeah. for a Quiet Place for anyone who hasn't seen it. But like, there's a build to the um, to like the hearing aid, like giving a certain frequency that reverses it back on the creatures. And right. so it's like nobody spells that out. It just that it organically happens in the climax of the movie. And so it's like there could have been a way to do that in this movie without that character. But the fact that that character's there being like telling them exactly what's going on it's just like it's like it's literally air going out of a balloon you're just like right. like oh man that stinks <laughs> and what it would keep with the tone and the stakes of the movie is set up if they were figuring it out organically because yes it, it, when we're getting reports from the field from ken ken's very terrified we're taking him at his word but ken is also reacting to a very volatile situation he doesn't know what's going on he's just reporting what he's seeing and so we we kind of have to take it with a grain of salt as to what's going on 
And so then if our characters are then organically being like, okay, this is what I think is going on. This is what I've observed and the information that we have best at hand. I think this is the best next step. We have to take what they're saying with a grain of salt. And it, we keep a through line. And so it's literally when somebody shows up and is able to textbook be like, this, this, this is going on. And it gets rid of the mystery. The mystery is, is then trying to comprehend like what he's saying. Because what he's saying is still nonsense. Um, right. Like it... it like understanding a word and then the only way to cure yourself is to not understand the word that you just heard by reframing it into a different context so it's just like it's such shaky terrible ground that doesn't have like a solidified situation that you're just end up more confused by the fact that it works at one point too that you're just like i I, how that doesn't even make sense it might as well be like the (laughs) what's it called like the lateral pincer movement from tenet where it's like okay these people are gonna go in uh forward in time and these are gonna go backward and they're gonna meet at the spot yeah they're gonna meet at the spot in the center and then we'll whip back out and you're just like sure okay okay yeah i'll I'll, (laughs) like you know but at least (laughs) so it's 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 similar to that in this where i'm just like ah okay like yeah you're giving the exposition but i'm like I'm almost more confused, but now I'm also frustrated. Whereas, right. like, where it was before, I was confused, but it was engaged. Right. <laughs> so. I, I was confused, but, like, I, I desperately wanted to know what was going on. And then once you told me what was going on, I wanted to go back to not knowing what was going on and just being confused. Because now I'm, I'm more angry with your explanation that you gave me. However, yes. I, I don't want that to... I don't want that to dissuade anyone from watching the movie. It is the good pick for a reason. And it's because that first two-thirds is fucking masterful it's really good it's like for a small zombie movie like i you know i stand by it being one of the more unique takes uh contemporary takes i've seen on the genre and so just because it has a a sort of a weak final third of the movie like i've i've given much worse movies with a weak uh final third a pass so Mm -hmm. like i'm certainly gonna do the same to pontypool because the first two thirds of the movie are just so strong um and and i'd say still stick with it like you know it's the movie i think the movie finishes strong like i like the last sort of like two minutes three minutes of the movie the sort of final broadcast i think at least like kind of ramps up in a way that's like okay now i'm now i'm back in it and at least ended on a strong way to wash the sour taste out of my mouth of the right like exposition doctor exposition i don't doctor exposition <laughs> doctor exposition dr mendez but he's he's doctor exposition so and he dips uh, that's another thing that pisses me off is like he comes in through a window that's how he's introduced he just opens a window like you know he like back pedals in and dumps his exposition he's like hanging out for like 20 minutes of the movie and then he like goes back out the window and it's just like what the fuck? Why even have the character like come in, ruin the tone of your movie, and then exit? You should like yeah. You should have at doesn't... least died. Yeah, that's the thing. It would have made sense, right? Because it does get pretty gnarly in that last third as well. It's like the one yeah. like positive thing you could say about it is like the the, the zombies attack and they're pretty ferocious and uh, it would have made sense to have that character get killed off. But he's just like, all right, I guess I'll see you later. <laughs> so it's such a strange choice, but. But the rest of the choices are so strong that I think mm. it's worth it's worth watching for sure. Yeah, please do check it out. No, Ken, I didn't uh, get it. I didn't. I don't get anything okay, right okay, now. Okay, okay, let's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try that again. Uh, okay, listen, and, and, and keep in mind. Uh, uh, picture this. This is what you you're about to hear is coming from Mary Galt's big teenage boy. He's he's lying here. 
in the dark with his body. It's, it's broken to pieces and his wrists. I, I can see them. They're stumps. They're not stumps. They're pointing up at his sides. No, I, I, what are we doing? Listen, 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 listen. This next one, I guess, can be... Uh, I don't a, have a segue. Uh, I was going to say, your mileage may vary. Uh, Speaking of mileage, <laughs> let's talk about Spree. Uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll just really quickly get this out of the way. So Spree's from 2020. Uh, it, it's about uh, uh, Kurt Kunkel, played by Joe Keery, who of, of Stranger Things fame. He's uh, uh, John Raffio's clone. Um, yes. Uh, desperate for online clout, uh, Kurt decides to t- turn his rideshare vehicle into a mobile murder machine, streaming his attacks for all of the internet to see. Um, so this one is very much, uh, it's, you know, contemporary 2020, it's live streaming, it's using the internet, and it's um, integrating all these different things from, you know, you might be familiar from like Twitch or YouTube Live or things like that. So you got comments and things like that, um, and it definitely has that look and feel to it as well. Um, this was also the first time watched for you, I believe. Yes, um, it was. So uh, I'm going to say back to you, uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on Spree? Well, this was interesting. And one thing I, I want to, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth necessarily because it was your pick. But this is, it, it's it's a it's a bad, like, relatively speaking in this like yes. sort of niche subgenre. Um, you know, this is not by far not even remotely the worst thing we've talked about on the show it's not a it's not a karate christmas miracle it's not no, an, no. it's not an independence day resurgence um like you know it's a small movie um that that has an interesting hook like you said it, it's it's with with live streaming um you know most of the movie i think commits really well to its bits uh, of sort of like it's either all done like via phone like mm-hmm. talking via phone on a chat um Joe Curie's character has a bunch of different GoPros set up in his cam, uh, in his, his, uh, it's a spree. It's basically an Uber, yeah. uh, essentially, but like spree is, is the, like the Uber app that people are doing in this movie. Um, and there is a certain sort of contemporary narcissism that I think the movie gets at like pretty sadly and poignantly well, mm-hmm. um, which is the biggest credit I could give the movie because it's like, there are people out there, um, you know, it's it's sort of done it a little bit ham-fisted. This, that's one thing. Like the dialogue in this movie is very like on the nose. Like, yeah. but it's it it's not amped up to like such a heightened degree to be like satire. You know, like it, right. it's sort of just it it sort of rides a middle line that it that it needs to that it like it doesn't know when to amp up when it needs to amp and it isn't sure when to pull back when it needs to pull back and so. Uh, I feel like the tone is right. It just is sort of just, it rides a straight line. Like also yeah. no pun intended. <laughs> um, but I do think that, the, but like there, there's a mention like of this, uh, there's like a kid who's like a famous viral person who Joe Curie's character babysat like back in the day. And he's sort of always trying to like, really trying to piggyback, uh, like ride his coattails to like get some sort of success. Um, and he tells him at one point, like you have to have something 
like some sort of hook, some sort of like personality, but all of his personality is just trying to go viral famous. And there's a lot of people like that, especially in this age of like social media, of just feel like this, this sort of like, just need to be like seen by people. Mm -hmm. And so it's the only validation that they seek. That's all they got. I need thumbs up on my app. Exactly. And so it's like, that's taken to the most like heightened degree, but because it's it, but it just, it doesn't, my only downside of this movie is it just doesn't get heightened enough like Mm -hmm. to the fact that it's like it's about somebody who's murdering people in their uber and trying to get likes about it like it it's sort of it's hard to say because of course the general conceit of this movie is unbelievable like it has to be it's it's trying to get to a greater societal point so it's like i could forgive certain things but even within it where i'm just like even though like nobody watches this dude's live stream it's like after the first person dies even if someone's thinking it's a hoax like wouldn't somebody sound an alarm at some point of that like right he kills three people before anybody even sort of bats an eye at he it. still has zero views like yeah he's, it, like, he's got one view checking in and like tuning out or whatever yeah he's got one view and it's the the kid like the famous kid that he right. babysat like who's just sort of watching and like like that's that's it like and he's just and like he's shit about it too. yeah he's commenting he's like all oh, weak that's so fake like all this stuff when it's yeah. like you know he actually put like cyanide in these water bottles and people are drinking them and dying um so it's just like one of those things where i'm like how how is nobody even like sort of like commenting on nobody this? gives and a shit. so yeah it's it's so strange and i think that i think that's a hard thing is like it doesn't quite it gets to a truth but it isn't like that entertaining to watch it isn't like it doesn't like super successful as like a cheap genre thrill like exploitation movie either. It's just sort of a, a sort of just a middle of the road. Once again, no pun intended. I'm not trying to use car car puns here with the, <laughs> the Uber, but it's just so like it's just middle of the road. It's a good idea, but it's just not executed to its um, to the best of its ability. Yeah, and I mean I would agree with you that in like I said up top, this is a very tiny subgenre like there's really yes. not a lot of movies that have this element of whatever is horrific is going on is being live streamed usually you'll get um uh, like cloverfield cloverfield is is found mm-hmm. footage like that, that's like a so or unfriended like or screen unfriended. life movies yes yeah and i didn't want to do unfriended i considered unfriended but since unfriended is a zoom call between friends and they weren't like yeah. streaming it to twitch it didn't quite fit what i was going for here totally but, also sidebar i liked unfriended more than i did spree <laughs> to be oh, honest okay there you uh, go. unfriended's not too bad believe it or not but again it doesn't quite fit what you're going for in this right niche. yeah so that's yeah. why i left it out i have not seen unfriended uh the the general premise i understand but i i so because of the slim pickings and i needed to pick a bad i did pick spree because i didn't i didn't agree with the execution and uh, there's a couple of things about the the uh, the bit that I think that they stepped outside of for the the purpose of making it a movie that like annoyed me. Where it's just like you committed ninety seven percent of the way, and then when you decided to not commit, was like at the worst time to not commit in the movie. Um, but I do want to say that generally, uh, I would not say that Spree is a bad movie. I think Spree is no. all right movie. It's it's fine. It's got some decent ideas that it doesn't execute on very well but it's entertaining it's got something to say which is more than i can say about a lot of the movies um especially the ones that we talked about bad you already mentioned karate christmas miracle that doesn't have shit to say so it's not that level of movie but just in comparison to the other ones that we're talking about 
uh, Kurt Kunkel, played by Joe Keery in this movie, is like a non-character, which is yes. also totally... It's totally fine to have a non-character. And the, the one that I, I, in my brain, sort of um, compared this to is that this is like a modernization of uh, uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Yeah. Where your, your main character is like not just unlikable but they're a fucking serial killer like they they, mm-hmm. they there's there's nothing about this character that you want to see them achieve you want to see them grow or anything like that however the way that henry portrait of a serial killer frames it is that he's just a fucking broken person a psychopath who's doing these things for the thrill of it i guess or even just like he doesn't even seem thrilled by a lot of it he's just killing is just what he does and so the the movie Spree is building into the character of Kurt Kunkel a, a sort of a need for validation. He He's doing this for the purposes of, of entertainment. And the way that his character is introduced is somebody who, I mean, for lack of a better word, is a loser for, for several years. Has been putting out videos on YouTube and on whatever streaming platform to an audience of no one. Of being like, hey, you know, it's, you know, uh, Kurt, I think it's Kurt's world, I think is what he mm-hmm. calls his thing. And, you know, today we're going to be talking about XYZ and uh, here's some tips on how to dress yourself or here's some tips on how to do this. And nobody gives a shit about his content. And so then we get like a, a brief introduction of about five minutes of a um, montage of all these different shots of him doing that. And then we basically cut into him being in the car and he picks up somebody in his car who is an overt white supremacist, like gets in the car yes. and is like, Hey man, uh, I think his line is, Hey man, good day to be white. Huh? And yes, Kurt's like, uh, Kurt's immediately uncomfortable, but so am I, but I'm also in my brain going, Oh, Kurt's going to kill this guy. And you wanted the audience to not feel bad about it. So you made the dude a white supremacist so that we could try and give it an edge of justification for his murder, which is, again like you're trying to make your killer likable it's not something that they tried to do in henry portrait of a serial killer like pick pick your lane again we'll have another uh, car pun choose a lane is is kurt kunkel a fucking psychopath who's who's on a rampage out of his mind killing people mindlessly and you're going to do this like henry or like angst uh, I was or, gonna say angst if you didn't. Yeah, the exactly. famous Austrian film. I don't. Yeah. I don't need to like the main character if what you're trying to do is making uh, make it a shocking and vile uh, sort of commentary on the the world and and what social media is feeding into. Or are you going to give me an introspective movie where Kurt is generally a good person who was driven to this point because of social media or because of the some other external pressure? You need to choose one. But the fact that in this scene, the dude is like, yeah, you know, cool, uh, white power or whatever. And so then Kurt's like, well, how about, you know, drink out of this water bottle? And he drinks out of the water bottle, starts like struggling or whatever. And then we cut to a video that Kurt had recorded earlier where he's putting cyanide or arsenic or, or some poison into the water bottles. And he made like a vlog on how to like, here's where you inject it and you put like hot glue over it and then people won't see like the injection site or whatever so he was planning to kill whoever got in the car yes that got in the car happened to be a white supremacist so i don't know why you're even bothering to make that like a, a, a character thing but we jumped straight into it if there had been like 
I'm Kurt Kunkel. I'm going to pull a prank on people. And the prank goes wrong. Somebody gets seriously injured or killed. And then he sees a boost in likes. And then that feeds into him being like, oh, that's the feedback. That's the validation I've been looking at for years. People liked it when I killed that guy. And so then he goes on to a downward spiral or his character suddenly takes, you know, what they call in a script, an inciting incident. Um, if there were something to happen that were to then change his character drastically and sets him off on a, an arc to where he goes for as many views as possible, but of course what he's doing is morally reprehensible and illegal, and it gets the cops coming after him, and then we see his downward spiral. That's one way you could take the character. But the way that they kind of picked this weird middle lane, where yeah. he's both, neither of those happens. And so then to me, it was just not, it was not satisfying, because it didn't have a commentary, really, on the impacts of social media on his character. He's just like that. Yeah, it's it's a weird spot, and I I noticed that immediately in in the movie as well. Of like, because the first, like you said, he was gonna kill whoever was gonna drive in there anyway. Um, though I guess maybe not because there is our um, you know our sort of I guess I would say our second not lead of the movie uh, who gets the most screen time, which would sure. be uh, the, the character of Jesse Adams, who's played by Sashir Zamata. Uh, it was like the stand-up comedian character mm-hmm. because she tries to drink the water in like the like the Uber pool version. Right. Um, she like goes to try and drink the water and he tries to stop her from doing so. Right. Um, right. So uh, so it's like that. But but either way, it's like he set out it, to kill. It, he put poison in yeah, the water bottles. Clearly. So it's just like, are, are you? But it's never clear of like, are you just killing the people who? Because like the first three people who. He kills like there's the the guy who's a Our clear overt assholes. white supremacist piece of shit. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So there's that guy. There's the real estate lady who's like, uh, she's just kind of rude. But there's yeah. nothing really like that she did. She's a Karen. And then there, yeah, yeah. And then there's a the guy who's in the Uber pool with the stand-up comedian who's like a womanizer who's like basically just like there's this girl I need to go fuck like you need yeah, to get misogynist me to the spot douchebag who's like yelling yeah. at Kurt and yeah Which exactly. Is like, being a being a, a a dick is not a death sentence. Uh, no, well, so and not like the, the thing... drop off of like white supremacists. Like, okay, real hateful fucking asshole guy. Again, uh, unless they uh, are wearing the red armband and goose stepping and taking up arms, uh, you can kill those guys in war because those guys are Nazis. Unfortunately, if some guy is a white supremacist in a, you know, a regular civilized society, you can't just start killing people willy-nilly and it's totally justified and fine however this movie is trying to spin it that way as if it is and then the yes. next step after white supremacist is this lady was rude to her uber driver which is yes. like, okay and then same with the guy and then there's the and then there's like the the the, the two women and the guy who like you know they take him like, mm, where mm-hmm. like takes him to like the the junkyard and uh just, they like i guess a, wealthy people who want to have fun yeah, but they're, they're, they did nothing wrong. No. They did nothing wrong other than, like, yeah, it's just, like, it's so... And so that's what's sort of frustrating is, like, the movie tries to almost, like, humanize him, but, like, it needs to be more of a Henry Portrait of a serial killer or an angst. Um, or it needs to be, like, there's this... It's a very small movie from, like, the early 90s called Star Time about somebody who was, like, is in, like, you know, has 
problems was like just released from like a mental hospital and his favorite show gets canceled and he's like approached by this guy who you're never sure if it's an actual guy or figment of magic of his imagination that he could live out being in his sort of like favorite show but then that sort of line begins to blur and so like i thought of that movie specifically a lot while this movie but it just it never really it just never blurs like there's like attempts to sort of try like you said to humanize there's even further of showing like you know, his, his upbringing to a certain extent, you know, like we, we spend time with his dad who's played by David Arquette, who's, who's great in a small part of the movie. Always love to see David Arquette. Who's a total fucking like burnout dirt bag junkie, like a small time DJ. Yeah. uh, He's like promoting and it's like at a, like really like strip club, strip club where there's like nobody in attendance. (laughs) Like, um, you know, so it's like, tries to be like, Oh, like, it's just all those weird things where it's like if you're going to show that this person is like a true nothing behind the eyes other than trying to get famous, which I feel like the movie at least attempts to try and show that point of view, mm-hmm. then it's like you need to do that and not try and humanize a character or you need right. to show as a victim of circumstance, but it doesn't really do either of that. Either and the other thing, I won't fault the movie for this because it's a small movie and you got to do what you got to do. I just also the the cell phone look like I hate that look in mm-hmm. movies. Like it just is so like uncinematic to me. Especially like looking at like I know it's the conceit, but like in the Uber, like especially with all the cameras set up. The other movie I thought of, which has nothing to do with this subgenre that you're talking about, is Jonathan Glazer's Under the Skin. Mm-hmm. Because when Scarlett Johansson is picking people up, they have hidden cameras in those car in yep. that car, and the people they pick up do not know that that's part of the movie until you know they say cut and say, this is what we're doing. Do you want to sign this NDA and go right. further and end up in the black goo and get your organs harvest? Uh, <laughs> do you want to play that guy? But, but like, I thought of that and that movie is so like cinematic and so like beautiful. Oh, yeah. Um, and I just, I just hate that sort of cell phone sheen look of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just not, not my thing. Um, and then the movie, like also, like I said, it tries to also ramp up, it tries to ramp up, but it just, I think that's where, almost similarly to Pontypool as well, where that's where this movie starts to wobble as well. It was already sort of wobbling and it's like, what is our point of view here? But then I think that's sort of the aforementioned sort of like, as we're cutting to different things, um, you know, do like, like we're sort of sidestepping to for the sake of the movie like we're cutting to security cam footage now like how did they get that like uh, or uh you know uh somebody else's uh dash cam because he gets into another uh right not not spree but whatever the the like rival version of that the lift i guess the lift to the uber like you know and so it's just like they're starting to cut the things it reminded me and i sorry to keep throwing a bunch of movies out and i also should give the floor back to you it reminded me of the ending of chronicle as well where like chronicle actually commits to its bit for 80 percent of the movie and then when the big like sort of superhero climax has to happen and it's cutting to other people's cell phone and other people's security footage and i'm just like okay you're now shattering the illusion of the movie you were just presenting to me and that and spree falls into a similar trap for sure yeah, it falls into a similar trap, and then it also, and I'll, I'll get to it, and I, I, uh, we, I don't know, spoilers, at some point, if you haven't seen Spree, you can probably go watch it, I, we, this whole conversation is probably spoilers, because we're already getting into basically the arc of his character, so, sorry, um, but, yeah. uh, the, the, the weird thing that they do with his character is that there's, there's a, a, a descending rank in showing that he's, like, 
killing people. But he starts by killing people. Kills the white supremacist. Kills the uh, a, a rude uh, homeowner lady. And then uh, kills um, the womanizer guy. That's that's the third person, right? Yep. Uh, yep. Kills him. And then sees that he's still not getting any views. And so then he goes to the house of Bobby, who's played by Joshua Oval, or Avail, sorry. Uh, and That's after he kills the, the three people. The that's two after he who kills the three people. Again, who yeah. didn't do anything wrong. They were just like, can we get an Uber down to the club? And then he takes them out to a junkyard and then gets them attacked and eaten by junkyard dogs, which is fucked up. Um, yes. And uh, and then I, he, he like shoots or stabs whoever is in the seat next to him. Uh, yes. so, so again, like we're we're getting to a point where like okay, let's just go down the Henry portrait of a serial killer timeline. But he's not getting any views, and so then he goes to the house of Bobby, who's basically like the mentor who has a big following online. And on Bobby's stream, he stabs him and kills him, and picks up Bobby's followers. So it's like Highlander. Um, so then he attains Bobby's power. And he goes off into the night and continues killing for this new audience of people who are basically, that was one of the things I did like about the movie is that it, it like the comments and stuff they would show on the screen, the comments are like egging them on of like, yeah, yeah killer do like do this. And so I mean, it, it was like, it does remind me of, of like Twitch, but like things like uh, YouTube, if you've ever been like a YouTube live or whatever, people will say just some fucking awful, hateful shit because they're behind a screen in their mm -hmm. home and, they don't have any responsibility, so they are at their absolute fucking worst. So, I appreciate And at the end of the movie, yeah, and at the end of the movie, they do the whole, like, you know, and I feel like this would have been realistic had this actually happened, where, like, um, you know, the articles of, like, we don't say his name because it, right. like, you know, inspires copycat killers, but then it's, like, there's all these other people online who sort of, like, idolize immortalize him. him and idolize yeah. him, and then they cut to a 4chan board, which, like... Of course... <laughs> Which, of course, like, if, if there was one place that would be idolizing a person like this, it would be 4chan. Yeah. Um, but there was also that part of me where I was like, you know, because this is a little bit more Gen Z skewered, so it's like mm -hmm. one generation removed from us. I was like, does Gen Z use 4chan? I don't know. I'm so far removed from that world that they I don't use know. But I, but I digress. That that would be the, that was what people would do to try to immortalize him yeah. and idolize him in, in, in stone. So it's just oh, like, like. It's an unfortunate thing. I mean, like, unfortunately, like. People have murdered people on live streams. It's 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 a thing. It's happened. Uh, and people who are murderers are idolized by uh, uh, groups of people. There are people who idolize the the Columbine shooters. There are people who yeah. idolize um, who is I can't remember the dude's name, which is probably good. I don't want to put it out there, but he like, called himself the Supreme Gentleman. Who he was just an incel, and he like ran some people down in his car um after recording himself on his phone so like there are people who are idolized and the the fact that there are real world impacts to the premise of this movie much like you would see again we keep going back to henry portrait of a serial killer or onks like it's a real world thing that happens and so if you're going to approach it maybe approach it with a, a, a bit more um I, I guess respect or or a bit more of just understanding that like what you are making and putting out there is not a completely fantastical thing that you're making up in the context of your movie it's something that's happened and so then yes. you need to actually take some care in the way that you represent your character or the people that are interacting with your character and when you try and humanize a monster who is reflected by actual monsters in real life you've lost me if you are trying to uh if you're trying to make a movie where he is a monster but 
you trying to tell some like it's, it's society's fault that he is this way sort of story and you do you, you, like they miss on every single attempt to try and spin it back to that because again the character of kurt kunkel was going to go on this spree no matter what happened we didn't see any ramp up to it he's just a psychopath who's completely willing to go like ah, i guess i'll just try murdering people today and see if that gets me an audience like he's that type of guy yeah don't try and make me like that guy <laughs> yeah it's that's not gonna the, work that's the moral of the story really is it's just like it it doesn't like you said pick a lane and and it, it really like rides the center line um where it needs to be it needs to be way more sort of like matter of fact the way that henry portrait of a serial killer is and get you in that mindset a mindset you don't necessarily want to be in but that's just how it's perceived or it needs to be like you said, something something else. Like mm-hmm. they do, there needs to be more of a ramp up or more of a what you're trying to do or more development of some kind. But like the fact that you're just in the middle of like, okay, we're kind of humanizing him, but he's also a psychopath at the same time. It's like that just doesn't it doesn't work um, for me. And I'm willing to concede that I read it wrong. Like maybe that's exactly what the filmmaker is going for and just sort of trying to turn a mirror back on the audience and be like you enjoyed this movie uh so aren't you just as bad as these people posting on 4chan and and making that that could have been what they were going for however i didn't really enjoy it uh when he was killing people like when he was doing the murders i wasn't like woo, like like, get him or anything like that i was more like okay we're here now what are the consequences of this oh none oh okay yeah and what's the next set piece and so then i was just kind of there i mean i was along for the ride uh, <laughs> put another uh, tally mark on the chalkboard but yeah I, w- I was there and i was willing to sit it out and watch the movie so like if if the ultimate point was trying to point it back at the audience uh, i mean as an audience member sorry you, you you didn't hit it yeah same i would say the same it's it's an interesting attempt i think but yeah. ultimately but ultimately just doesn't quite come together. Right. For me, at least if, if you want to go out and check it out, it's on Hulu. So uh, I was about to say, I went to my letterbox page and like all my friends, like the range is from one star to four star. And Mm -hmm. like, and like, not like a one or four, like it's a sliding scale. So people have hashtag opinions about (laughs) this movie. (laughs) And so, uh, to me, at least that's one thing I take away is like, if you at least got people talking about it and like sort of debating about it, I'm like, I'm all for that. Like right. a movie shouldn't have to cater to somebody's like viewpoint or coddle them or any sort of way like that. I just think this movie doesn't quite, like you said, it doesn't pick up, pick a lane that it needs to stay in. Agreed. Yeah. I, I and I don't want to keep harping on about the movie. Uh, <laughs> Cause I, yeah. I think we, I think we've said our piece. So uh, if this sounds like something you'd be interested in, uh, please, go give it a watch i won't turn anybody away from it like i said it it could just be me and you we just not are not seeing the movie the way that it's meant to be presented i don't know what it is but for me in the context of these three movies that we've chosen today it's the weakest i would agree are you seeing all these homeless people it's pathetic zero social media presence they don't even care that the whole world doesn't even know that they exist if I ran over their tent and killed them all, no one would even care right now. Yes. Cops can't stop me. Dad can't stop me. Mom can't stop me. Bobby can't stop me. The homeless can't stop me. What's up? 
Guys, I'm starting to feel unstoppable. And I think we should talk about a movie that very clearly picks a lane and very yes. much commits to its bit. Um, Which makes it magical. It is magical, I would say. Uh, the WNUF Halloween special. Mm -hmm. um, so this is also unique because, like we've, like you said, we have a different, we have different subgenres within the subgenre. Like yes. the first one was a zombie movie. The second one's a, uh, like, like you said, an attempt at like a stark serial killer drama. And this one's a comedy. This one's a horror comedy. Yeah, <laughs> um, full on. So full on horror comedy, no bones about it. Like it, it is straight up that. Um, but yeah, I think this was not a first time watch for either of us. I think no. this was the one that uh, we had seen prior, or at mm -hmm. least the one I had seen prior uh, going into it. Uh, well, you had as well. I'm just, I hadn't seen the other two movies. Right. First time watch for me. But I, I've seen this movie. Um but I'll ask you, since you've asked me on the last two, what do you what do you think about the WNUF Halloween special? I I I love the WNUF Halloween special, and but I I feel like I need to contextualize as to why it's a what pick for me, um, because I think if you are if you're not a millennial or Gen X, uh, and you go into the WNUF Halloween special, it's probably not gonna hit for you. Like th this this movie is threading a needle for a very specific type of audience. And, you know, maybe I'm out of line. There, there could be, you know, Gen Zers that are into analog horror and this is, this is scratching an itch for them. And if it is welcome, uh, I'm, I'm glad that it is because analog horror for me, uh, as somebody who's also into like AM radio shit, uh, I love it because of the presentation and, and because of the way that this movie presents itself, uh, it, it nails that, uh, this is a sub 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 genre it's very 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 tiny yes um yes but i'll give like the the quick premise of the wnuf halloween special so it's presented seemingly via bootleg vhs tape uh so local news channel wnuf presents a halloween special featuring on location reporter frank stewart played by paul Farankumpf, as he gives a guided tour of a local true crime landmark rumored to be haunted and it it plays out so I, I believe it takes place in 1987 it's like yes. late 80s and um uh, frank is a, a reporter in the field who is at this uh house who's like the the lizzie borden house style of a murder happened here x amount of years ago it's seemingly haunted and abandoned and we're gonna go into the house uh, with a couple of uh psychics and uh, a priest and we're gonna do a seance live on tv and no one's ever seen this done before however this isn't set up like something like wreck or blair witch where it's just a camera crew and they're gonna go in they're gonna do the thing it shit goes wacky and wild it's literally a a, a video package that's part of a news broadcast that's happening on tv and when i say it's like via bootleg vhs it's like the nightly news came on at 10 o'clock Somebody put a VHS tape into their VCR and hit record, and we get the news anchors at their desk giving their you know new, like their their news packages about what's been happening around the city. Cut to commercial for a local pizza place or a, a barber shop or a bowling mm -hmm. alley, and like all of this stuff is inter interspersed, and it's like you're up at two o'clock in the morning watching like your local fox station and all of like the uh, i i remember when i was a kid like watching uh fox 28 
and uh, watching King of the Hill reruns at like one o'clock in the morning, and then like the Les Schwab commercial would come on, and it would feature people from my town that I recognize being in the Les Schwab and putting stuff on shelves and stuff. So it like it it connects to a part of me growing up and being a young kid and watching broadcasts like this on TV. However. There is a story that happens in the middle of this of a man who's live on television and, and, you know, I don't want to get into the spoilers, but there's a horror story that's going on there. And they commit so far into the bit and it feels so legitimate that it it is t- such a, a, just a, a little nugget. It's a little diamond in the rough of it being such a tiny genre and they nail it, like knock it out of the park in this attempt. Yeah, I lot to go off there for sure, but I'm I'm right there with you. Off uh, channel twelve, I believe, was our Fox affiliate as a okay. kid, and similarly, where it's like I after school I'd watch like uh, reruns. I think I've even talked about this before: reruns of Star Trek: The Next Generation, yes. or uh, or like you know, like you said, watching like Seinfeld reruns late at night or something like that. And this is exactly what a news broadcast like that looks like. And of course, like the other thing, it probably hits harder too for people like us who grew up in small towns, wherever in the country, you know, you in, in like Euphrata, Washington and say Helens, Oregon for me, of just like these small little towns with these broadcast affiliates that had these, and then you'd have your local commercial for, like you said, Les Schwab mm-hmm. or whatever. Tiger Pizza Town joint, video. Like you said. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, ex- exactly. Game Trader uh, yeah. was one we had <laughs> um, for sure. So um, this movie really, really knocks that out of the park. Um, like the commercials are just, they're, they're a joy. Um, yeah, and they're it, it's, it, it's, it's just, it, it, and what I like, like you said, this is a sub, sub, sub genre. One thing I want to throw in the mix as well is that there's been, especially in this sort of like, I mean, horror's never gone anywhere, but I, I feel like there's especially been a resurgence in the last decade of just people who are talking with other people and just making more horror movies and different kinds of horror movies. But there's been this weird one of like, it's, it's like a, a, I don't have a name for it, or a phrase to even, you know, put to it, but it basically, it's like a cross between spoof and like a pastiche homage, like these, Mm. like, like a movie, like Wolf Cop or Dude Bro Party Massacre three of like, they're, they're parodying the genre, but they're also paying their sort of respects to it. Um, and I don't like either of the aforementioned movies I just mentioned because (laughs) Wolf Cop doesn't look like it's a digital smear like mm. it's just like it doesn't even reminiscent of the movies they're trying to do uh do pro Barty massacre 3 as well which that movie you know it's made by the five second film guys who i like oh yeah uh but maybe stretch to feature film just isn't what what works i don't know but like that movie as well was just like uh it's it's supposed to be reminiscent of like sleepaway camp or the slumber party massacre and it's like those movies were also shot on at least 16 millimeter. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and it's like, they're, they're, they're gorgeous filmic movies. And it, it similarly, it looks like it's like shot on VHS. And I was like, well, these aren't the movies that you're trying to emulate from the era. Like what's, right. what's happening here. Whereas like, this is a very specific tone and a very specific type of broadcast that they're going for. But like you said, they nailed it. It feels like somebody just recorded on their VHS, which if any, we have any Gen Zers listening to us may not even know exactly how that, that works. But that's, I, I had a VHS at my grandma's house of a, of a taped broadcasting of Jurassic Park. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, like growing up that was on, cause they, they played that like after Thanksgiving, uh, like all the friggin' time on like channel eight, which was like our NBC affiliate. Um, mm-hmm. 
but this is like that and so it's like you would like and and similarly you get fast forwards as well through the movie like they're fast forwarding through different commercials to get back to the news broadcast which you know i did for that aforementioned jurassic park tape that i was talking about i'd fast forward the commercials for you know whatever pizza joint or die hard batteries um whatever the case may be and so this this movie is just it's a beautiful time capsule it commits to the bit it does it super well uh they spoof things that i think even nationally people would know like they they do uh they do their own iteration on the sunday 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> of the monster truck rally i think it's tuesday 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 we'll sell you the whole seat but you're only gonna need the edge yeah. like <laughs> it's like stuff like that that is just like it's 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 so joyous oh, I mean, a lot of that is ubiquitous like you would yeah you would recognize it even if you weren't from a small town because like those commercials were Everywhere. everywhere because they toured at the monster truck right. rally like grave digger like yeah. they they travel big yeah i went to one of those once oh hell yeah no uh, no no not oh hell no. yeah they're <laughs> no. so boring <laughs> they're so boring i hate monster trucks but i but i love but i love the commercials for monster trucks because oh, yeah. it, it hits more exciting There's... than the show yeah exactly <laughs> yeah anyway, I, I, I only watched the simpsons episode where they went to the monster truck show that's my only uh Oh, sure. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, the, this movie... So, I believe that they shot it on VHS cameras. However, they then took that footage... Because on the Blu-ray, which I have, the, there's a special feature. And Me too. I, I, I think the special feature is called Shitty on Purpose. Um, <laughs> where they, they show that they took it, and they show a side-by-side of, like, this is what our original footage looked like. But then they took the video, and then they re-recorded it to a VHS tape three times. So you get, like, this intentionally degraded, like, terrible-looking video that really, like... Because if this was shot, looking at the footage in the special feature, if it was, like, even that slightly better-looking VHS look and feel, it would not feel as authentic as it does when it's, like, really muddy and the colors are starting to wash and, like, everything's got, like, a soft edge to it. It does feel like something that has just been passed around of, like have you ever heard of the the wnuf halloween special uh there was a guy killed on live tv and i i just got this vhs tape from my cousin who's like from the town over and he like it it feels like a storied thing that has been passed around that is it a hoax is it real and even at the end of the movie they're talking about like people believe that it was a hoax however we still haven't found our field reporter frank he's out there yeah. somewhere please help it's been us. five days uh, yeah exactly <laughs> uh and uh, recently uh, uh megan and i went to portland and i sent you a picture of it we were at a vhs shop and there is a um you get the wnuf halloween special uh, uh soundtrack on vinyl which i have no idea what that would even be i'm assuming that it's just like the commercial tunes and stuff because there isn't really like a traditional um, right soundtrack to the movie but like on on the on the the record itself it, it says uh, all profits uh, or all proceeds will go to like the find frank fund uh, and they have like his picture on it like have you seen this man and like it's it do, it does feel like it has like this small town sort of feel to it of like uh it, it's it's a story that gets passed around by school kids, but it doesn't, it's not a big enough thing that it got to a national level and everybody knows right. about it and stuff. So that even 
lends to sort of the feeling of it being something that broadcast on TV in 1987, but nobody knows about it because it's such a small town thing and people wave it away as a hoax. And so then nobody really talked about it, but there's enough of a, um, you give it enough credibility to where you are like, well, what if it did happen? Like, what if this is right. presented as real? So, I mean, for, for me, it's not really like a horrifying movie. I wasn't scared watching the WNUF no, special. No. Um, I was pretty much gleeful the entire time. Me too. It was because it's like a warm blanket, right? right? It's like you recognize broadcasts like this and all the commercials at play. And you're just like, oh, this, and you nailed it. Like you just nailed right. the tone of this. Like, I feel like uh, there's going to be an ex- episode of Maximum Exposure that plays after this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you remember Maximum Exposure? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all, it's I, all on YouTube. Uh, Megan and I, I know. like to imbibe a bit and then go watch like MXC for like four hours. I I I save them on my like to watch later playlist on Hell YouTube. Yeah. So yeah, no, no, for sure. I used to watch the shit out of that show. Like, oh, it's almost eleven o'clock. Yep. Time for <laughs> time for me. Um, so it just it it has that feel to it, and it just is. It feels like a warm blanket. It's not scary. It's more funny than anything mm-hmm. for sure. Like it's hilarious uh, I mean, at several points. Oh, the news anchors are like that typical corny dad joke type of like banter. Like it, it's just so, so perfect. Like every there, there's not a, a step out of place. And and I guess as we start to wind this conversation down, we should we'd be remiss to not mention that a sequel is mm-hmm. in the can uh, at the moment, Which uh, I think or was at least funded, correct? It was crowdfunded. It's, uh, I guess I shouldn't say in the can. It's at least wrapped filming. Uh, right. It's probably still in the editing phase at the moment. Um, though I guess based on, um, you know, like you said, many people directed it. And I'm glad that you gave them their their light at the beginning. But uh, Chris La Martina is the like the primary director mm-hmm. of of the segments. It's just the uh, um, everyone else directed the different commercials here and there. And I'm sure it's going to be the same for the sequel. But he'd posted something on his Twitter recently of like they were they were doing that process of that you talked about for the first one where they were looping it through the different VHS yeah. runs. So they were starting that. So I got to imagine it's at least the the it's locked and I'm, I'm uh, pumped. I hope that it has a theater showing because I will go watch it at the theater. I hope so too. Um, and and same. It would it would hopefully if it will have a short run and play somewhere like the Grand Illusion or the Beacon here in Seattle because. Um, I will I will go see it. This is this I regret not seeing this movie with a crowd. I didn't see it until Terrorvision, who's a brand new uh they mostly did like vinyl and, and tapes. They mostly mm-hmm. do music, but started getting into Blu-ray uh recently. Okay. Um who I think half of Terrorvision's co founded by um by Brad Henderson, who works at Vinegar Syndrome. Oh yeah. Um, okay. but they put out the WNUF Halloween special. They just put out Killing Spree as well, which is another shot on video oddity about a, a a murderous florida man um <laughs> oh so it's a documentary I, well yeah i mean <laughs> probably an uh, uh, eventual uh, good bad what choice oh, down the line oh, um but yeah i'm very excited for the wnuf halloween sequel which it is tentatively titled cool. um and it's supposed to come later this year so looking forward to it uh yeah I, I, yeah i love this movie um Please go watch it, even if analog horror is not your thing. If it's on horror, Shutter, it is on Shutter. Yes, yes. But sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Tell your thing. I was about just going to say, horror. if analog horror is your thing, uh, I it, inspired by watching the WNU of Halloween special, I decided I was going to click around and try and find other good examples of it. 
and uh, there's uh, quite a, a large um, analog horror sort of posting on, on YouTube. I guess people use YouTube a lot for it. Uh, and there's a, a sh channel on there called uh, Local 58 TV. Um, they've posted a lot of stuff that is presented much like WNUF, where um, it, it's a news broadcast that plays late at night, and then they show something horrific, either accidentally or like it, it, something bleeds through. Um, specifically, they did a, a video called Contingency, uh, which I mm. love a lot have, and have been sharing with people. And these are like small, like three to five minute little snippets, but they're presented like this. The, the the soundtrack kind of warbles is like like with the like the the audio track is off and stuff and it has that like tracking feel and stuff on on the video yeah um so like it, another one of those like authentic pieces of like this is something that aired back in the early 80s and somebody happened to catch it that night on a vhs tape and they've been passing the bootleg down and, and trying to get the word out um love it if you have any suggestions like i've said or at the top of this episode this is a very small uh subgenre of horror that i kind of love um so if you have any suggestions uh out there uh, of things that would fit into the same category please send them to the good bad what at gmail.com because i want to know more i want to learn more yes please send us everything that you possibly can uh through our <laughs> socials through our email um definitely on board um this was a great i'm glad you picked this this is such a unique because this is this is enlightening for for me because it's Good. uh you know i i love analog horror from the standpoint of like i watch a lot of shot on video trash yes. I, I have like <laughs> i have like bleeding skulls top 50 like shot on video movies like bookmarked on my phone like trying to cross them off but like this is such a specific niche even beyond that mm -hmm. that um you know i'm i was happy to learn a bit more about it so thank you for picking these I, yeah i'm glad that we got to talk about it i and i know i think i texted you like the night that i watched wnf halloween special like a, a few months ago and i like texted you being like i'm working this into an episode like like immediately <laughs> this this is so amazing it's delightful it's so good america land of the free from florida to alaska but freedom comes with responsibility we at Hazelwood Oil are doing our duty to help clean up the environment. With chlorofluorocarbons in the air, the ozone depleting, factory runoff, and unavoidable accidental oil spills, there's a lot we can all pitch in on. Hazelwood Oil is doing our part to reverse the damage. Are you? The latest games. The latest topics. We've got it all pizza and video games right here at tokens video arcade and pizzeria located at chestertown mall um yeah seek it out all these movies are pretty readily available um you know pony pool is on like itunes to rent as well as uh i think there's an ifc streaming service yes. so you can do that there's uh, also Spree a 54 on... minute uh sorry to cut you off but i was gonna say no there's also a 54 minute uh radio show version that's on youtube that you can find Ooh, where it like takes i want to check away that out some of like the the visual stuff that they do and they just have the audio track i want to check that out for sure uh spree if you're interested in watching it is on hulu uh, currently, and then WNUF Halloween Special is on Shutter, uh, mm -hmm. as well as the terrific Terrorvision Blu-ray that's out. So definitely worth seeking out. Um, so next week, um, so <laughs> I guess I might as well like lay out May because we're going to be end up taking two weeks off, yeah. not in a row. Um, but you'll be going on a vacation, and then I'll be going on a work trip and a vacation. So 
Uh, you're listening to this episode on Friday, May 6th. So there will be no new episode on Friday, May 13th. Um, and then there will be a new episode on Friday, May 20th, which we are going to be starting. You're getting the heart of the summer movie season. Always kicks off in May. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a bit lighter this year. Of course, you know, just people are playing it safe because they have these movies that are very expensive and need to make money. So uh, too many of them out at once may not be a good thing. But traditionally, uh, contemporarily, the summer has become very heavy on sequels and reboots and remakes. So uh, instead of that... Um, I have three movies that are going to be summer movies that were not sequels and remakes, but they were reteams between a director and an actor uh, whose previous movie was a massive hit. Uh, because that's what people used to do. They're like, hey, let's not shoehorn in a sequel. Let's just get this actor and director to make another movie. Um, so we're going to be looking at that instead. Um, we'll be taking May 27th off uh, as well. And then we'll be back in June. I don't think I don't foresee anything uh, stopping us in June. So we should have a full slate of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm but, really excited to see that our, our uh, categories are, are getting even more and more niche. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what are you going to do? We, we have still have some broad categories. Oh, but yeah, we're we just do. going further down the rabbit hole of like, let's just put movies into a box that can't go into anything. I'm excited because, about it. We're like really exploring the boundaries of, of the, the premise of the show. It's great. Uh, I like it. it. What it, it's it's what it's for. Um, but in the meantime, you can find all of our episodes on our website at thegoodbadwhat.com. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, and many others. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thegoodbadwhat, and you can email us at thegoodthebadandthewhat at gmail.com. If you're feeling generous and want to support the show, we have a donations tab on our website, and all donations will go back into the show, whether that's to offset the cost of running movies we discuss or upgrading our equipment. Our logo comes from Michelle Parkos, and our theme music comes from Paco, whose portfolio and SoundCloud link you can find in the show notes, respectively. Chris, where can more people find you online? Yeah, you can find me online on Twitter at thochristo89 or on Letterboxd at C underscore T-H-O-M. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Ryan underscore Oliver. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with director actor follow-ups to their box office hits. <laughs>